G'day, dorks, and welcome to Lords of Dorktown, a podcast all about anime, cartoons, and video games. I'm your host, Philip, and the dorks joining me tonight, well, in fact, they're not dorks, they're weebs. I have Ethan and Ricky from the Weebology podcast joining me tonight. How are we, boys? What is up, everybody? Doing pretty good myself. This is Ricky. And this is Ethan. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's the first time I've been able to tell their voices apart, so... Very good. <laughs> I figured I figured we would try to give some kind of so people kind of like, all right, that that's the voice I'm listening for that name and this is the voice I'm listening for this name. I understand it can get confusing if we just we should have just said nothing and let people guess. Oh, yeah, That'd all you funny. gotta do is listen for the good points and then you'll know who's who. It's simple. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man, it, it's it's so great to have you have you boys on the on the podcast. My first international guest. Um for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I was on an episode of the Weebology podcast that came out uh, last week as of recording this episode, and it was a bunch of fun, man. I, was, I had an absolute ball recording with you guys, and I, I couldn't wait to get you guys on Dorktown. So do you guys just want to kind of tell the, the dorks listening uh, what you guys are all about? Sure. Uh, so our podcast, the Weebology podcast, is you know just a couple of uh, professors with a very high state-of-the-art tech anime lab all things considered <laughs> and what we do is we talk about you know anime both you know current seasonal sometimes anime adjacent topics and also sometimes the classics and everything in between the entire kind of goal that Ethan and I set out to do is we understand that anime is on the up and up it's been on the up and up for a long time and we kind of understand that a lot of people may kind of be you know kind of anime adjacent or in kind of some fandoms and they may be afforded with the idea of anime but it maybe didn't seem digestible or it was just too daunting of something to get into as a medium so we wanted to come at it like understanding there will be newer folk to anime listening to our show along with veterans of the space and we wanted to make it comfortable for everyone on the weeb spectrum whether you're weeb in training or you're a true degenerate I don't care. Our show is for <laughs> you, absolutely. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I remember when I so I've I've listened to you boys a whole bunch. Um, I remember like when you guys first uh, in your first episodes, you you did a, a great episode where you kind of went through terminology that surrounds anime and kind of explained it. And like as someone who's who's been around anime the, my basically my entire adult life, there were still some phrases that I actually didn't know the actual meaning of. So. Uh, that episode in particular is a great one for for newbies to the anime scene to kind of get ahead of some of the uh, um, jargon in the in the anime space. So yeah, I love what you boys do, and um, uh, it's an amazing podcast. Everyone who's listening to this should definitely go check out Weebology. It, it's spectacular. Oh my gosh! And yeah, I totally agree. One of our, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't have said it better myself, frankly. Oh man. Well, <laughs> also, I mean, like Philip. You're kind of one of our better students. I mean, as someone who binged 70 episodes straight after we contacted you, that's <laughs> o- almost, almost yeah, something I, mean... I would <laughs> cause for concern even. I would tell you to, you know, I don't want to say cool it because, you know, <laughs> good student and all that. But, you know, uh, I'm not going to tell you. 
Oh no, it, it, I have unhealthy uh, habits when it comes to binging content. It, it's it's well known. It's it's fine. Uh, at this point, it's a personality <laughs> it trait. Um, if it continues any longer, it's a mental health problem. But we'll we'll wait and see. We'll, no, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it's it. It's a quirk. It's all good. <laughs> it's, it's a quirk. I love that. Yeah. Um, but uh, instead of just sitting here and blowing smoke up each other's asses, we should probably rip into some topics, boys. Um, so what's I mean, been we, we could do it for a couple more minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We could rip shit, no problem. Okay, yeah. Um, so we usually start start these episodes off with uh, a bit of what's been getting it uh, this week for you. So anything you guys have been watching, reading, or playing that's particularly been good this week that you just wanted to bring up? Uh, is there anything on the cards for you, boys? Yeah, I got a couple I wanna of things. I want to hear Ethan. Yeah, I want to hear yeah. Ethan's. I actually don't know what you're watching right now. I'm curious. Yeah, go Well, ahead. to be, to be really honest, my time is completely uh <laughs> called for elsewhere, but what I am wa- uh reading, I read all of uh basically the last half of this manhwa called Unordinary. Um have you guys heard of it at all? No, I haven't. No. I haven't. So it's essentially like think think uh my Hero Academia, except for anyone who doesn't have a quirk, is treated like absolute garbage. And the main character is treated like absolute garbage. <laughs> um, oh, wow. And, Shocker. Yeah, and so it's just kind of this this interesting story where you're following this kid who, you know, for whatever reason, is still, like, happy and enjoying his life, even though he's getting his shit rocked constantly. And uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. I can, I really can't spoil it. It's similar to like solo leveling, where if I tell you too much, I don't want to like spoil anything like uh, kind of big stuff. But uh, I think it's one of the better manhwa on uh, like on webtoon or anything like that. And then obviously I'm you know up to date on on solo leveling as I just mentioned, which cannot uh, recommend highly enough. And then yeah, I, and then I all seasonals I'm well. on. You're on all seasonals? Yeah, I'm watching all of them right now. I, ju- I just subscribed the to the uh, on um, that that webtoon. I just put it in the list. So I'll definitely get to that this week because anything even slightly my hero adjacent is is something that I definitely want to be around. Well, you're gonna you're gonna finish it by tomorrow, so I guess uh, let me know <laughs> what happened. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I'll hit I'll hit you up in four to six hours. I'll tell you how it's going. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, but I yeah, actually definitely. Start- I was going to say, solo leveling. I'm not going to say anything else. I don't have to say anything else. Read solo leveling. It's the best. Yeah, I, I still haven't pulled the trigger on solo leveling. I, I kind of burned through uh, Tower of God and um, needed to put put wet the Webtoon app down for a, for a few days because, uh, yeah, for obvious reasons of my binging habits, we're getting unhealthy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, solo leveling. Uh, John, who appears on Dorktown all the time, is, is a massive fan of solo leveling and is constantly barking at me to read it. So I'll add that to the list as well. It'll change your life. Mm. It will change your life, yes. I'm excited. Um, I started a new series last night, a um, a Crunchyroll original. Have either of you boys watched uh, Onyx Equinox? No. Onyx Equinox. To the computer. I've never even heard it. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a Crunchyroll original. It just popped up on the the Crunchyroll app over here in Oz. And um, I wouldn't say it's an anime. I'd say it's a cartoon. It's... It's definitely drawn and animated more towards like a, a Western cartoon than a, a traditional Japanese anime. Um, it's based around like the Aztec and Mayan deities. I'm only like four episodes in, um, but it's it's definitely got some legs. There's it's it's a uh, really visually quite quite interesting to watch, and 
uh, the storyline is is definitely cool. And someone who's like pretty obsessive with like mythology and stuff like that, uh, and who knows absolutely nothing about um, you know Aztec and Mayan deities, like it's it's super interesting for me to go into. Um, I I kind of recommend it. I don't know. It's it's a tricky one. I'm only four episodes in, and you know it. I, I'm not quite sure where it's going to go as of yet, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely it was definitely good to take a break from just anime, which is all I've been watching for like two weeks. So it was good to slow it down with it with a with a cartoon <laughs> change of pace. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. I mean, I'm looking at the visuals now. Um, I'm getting real kind of it's softer than Castlevania. It's a little softer than anything out of Powerhouse from an edgy kind of visual standpoint. It is kind of leaning into you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender and Bender and Korra kind of yeah, realm I'd, I'd definitely of put it aesthetic. Into that category. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it the eyes are a little bit different. The aesthetic is a little softer, but it looks very, uh, from a design standpoint, visually very interesting. I'm looking at some stills and I'm like, okay, I, I can, I can vibe. It sort yeah. of looks like Blood of Zeus. Yeah, yeah. yeah it definitely, definitely gave me. It definitely has that that kind of vibe of animation and. Um, like all those, all those, you know, the Blood of Zeus, the Castlevanias, it all, for some reason, they all obsess on how blood's animated. And blood's really important in this series because uh, of um, blood tributes are a thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, um, exactly. that's what they do down there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it that way, but yeah, sure. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> true. <laughs> it, apparently it is true. So yeah, and, and the, the blood animation in this is is, is really on point. It's, it's it's visually quite striking whenever whenever there's a big pools of blood on, on the screen. Um not you should uh, you should watch the movie Apocalypto if you want to learn about like how that stuff worked in real life. I'm Googling it. Yeah. Hold up, I'm Googling it. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty raw. It gets into it for sure. Okay, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen definitely seen that that poster. Um, is it is it is it it's a bit pretty... sc- is it a bit scary? Uh, I don't. I'm, I'm a... <laughs> um, it's very gory. I wouldn't call it scary. Well, if, but... e- if Ethan watched it, it's good on the scare factor only because Ethan really doesn't do scary either. Yeah, neither do um, I. See, I'm a horror junkie. I I love that stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm into I'm into some horror, but uh. Wow, have you, uh, have you ever fucked with some super like um, horror anime? Because I've never really fucked with that that category. So yeah, here and there. Um, I am, if you want my honest opinion, I think there is a huge underrepresentation of quality horror anime that might change with Junji Ito's Uzumaki being uh, made into an anime, which arguably is one of the best horror magicas out there. Just. His mind is just this. It's very twisted, but the way he can panel is just oh, chef's kiss. So good, mm, very, very good. horrifying. I mean, it, yeah, it, it so, would make sense for for the the you know the medium of anime to be heavily populated with good horror anime because there's just so much you can do in that medium. So uh, yeah, it kind of surprises me that you hearing that there's not a, a lot of great horror anime out there. That's that's honestly well, quite surprising. if you want to. If you want a reason why I think that is, and I think we've talked about it on our show a little bit, but it's because of what you kind of just said, right? Is that, you know, there's a lot of gory, edgy anime. I mean, Tokyo Ghoul is one of the most popular kind of like thriller, horror, shonen kind of signing. And it's because they realized at some point, maybe in the 2000 aughts, that, hey, wait a minute, these are adult cartoons. We can do whatever we want to and push the boundaries so 
there's kind of been this cementing of horror and anime equals gore and edge. And that's really it, right? There's not a lot of psych stuff. There's not a lot of psychological, you know, like the real horror you see in some of the really popular live action horror movies. Um, so is that coming around? Maybe. Um, I need to do more research. You know, this professor's got to study up. That's how it's got to be. Mm. But I've seen some, I've seen some okay ones. Um, you know, uh, uh, Perfect Blue and uh, Paprika. There's like, I forgot his name, but those collection of stories are quite superb for horror anime. Recommend them. Oh, awesome. I might, I might have to check. Yeah, I am a bit of a scaredy cat. Like, I do get a bit scared when it comes to when it comes to horror. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to broaden my horizons with, with some horror anime because I'm sure I would enjoy it um speaking of super edgy anime do you boys hear or read all that controversy that came out i think it was last week with redo the healers first episode dropping wait i saw it kind of if you want to give me a synopsis of what the uh, what everyone's rustled about i, oh, I saw I a headline just didn't all. read it yeah yeah uh, so redo the healer it's like uh it's first episode kind of came out think it was last week and yeah i think it might have even even been late december or at least got a western release last week um and it just sparked this big controversy again because it's you know highly sexual highly violent uh there's some rape stuff in it um a lot of people comparing it to uh along the lines of inner species reviewer and the the pilot episode of goblin slayer um there it is yeah, an episode, a, a pilot episode that still is with me to this day from from watching it. That mm, I, yeah. I haven't quite shaken its effects on me quite yet. <laughs> it's, oh my. it's quite jarring. It's quite jarring. Well, I get it. I, I the story. Oh man, there's a story behind me in the first episode of Goblin Slayer. I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on this podcast if before, but I'll, I'll say it again. So, um, uh, a regular guest on on Dorktown is is a is a guy by the name of Jason, and he's is is a massive isekai anime fan and anytime My he recommends boy. yeah anytime he recommends anything I, I usually go in straight away because he's usually on the money and, and we do line up in in taste pretty similarly um so he recommended me to watch goblin slayer and one night it was like three o'clock in the morning i was pretty dusty like i think i had a few drinks and but i was, I was starting to sober up and i was i was just in a real vulnerable state and I, i'd finished watching <laughs> oh, up no. yeah i know off to a cracker and I'd finished watching everything, um, everything else uh, on my watch list, and Goblin Slayer was on there, so I, I chucked it on. Um, the wife was in bed, the kids were sleeping. It was a calm, peaceful night. I was feeling vulnerable, <laughs> and uh, I was a bit dusty. Like it, it was like the stars aligned in the worst possible way, and the next thirty minutes were me holding back tears and fighting to get the remote in my hand quick enough so I could just erase this from my screen um it it honestly ruined me i i I contemplated taking a sick day the next day because i was just so oh my god man oh dude i was just so vulnerable and it was just there was one scene in particular that got to me and it's the scene everyone knows and i I don't really want to go into it yeah but there there was one frame where you can see like a little hand jerking motion like someone was jerking off in the background and it fucking cemented into my brain oh, and it's all I can oh see. If, if I close my eyes at night and it's a still night outside, I can just see it just 
vibrating oh in my, my head. No. Oh my god. No, I've so, really did a number on you, dude. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I was vulnerable at the time. It's fine. Uh, and anime, anime giveth and anime taketh away. Yeah, it's I true. remember. I think the next week after that, the only anime I watched was like was shows I've watched previously that I know are just like super wholesome. Like I'm pretty. I watched my first slice of life anime that week because I was like, I just need. I need something where there's definitely not going to be any rape in it. Just no, I need, I need, <laughs> I need just Steer nice. Clear. <laughs> yeah, that might, that Yo, might have. Imagine, oh no. Imagine yeah. going into a Blockbuster, right? And that is your criteria. You say to the, like the, the guy at the counter <laughs> is like, hey, welcome to Blockbuster. What can I get for you? What kind of movie are you looking for? Uh, nothing with rape. <laughs> that's it. That, that's it. That's it. I think that really is, um, that's the bar. So anything you got. And you just the store. Yeah, I have, I have a everything. feeling that it's going to be a hard, uh, hard sell for Blockbuster, which literally doesn't have a store left. But <laughs> true, true. It's the only, it's the only apt thing I can come up with. Just, I don't know. I, I just love the idea. <laughs> you just like begging Crunchyroll, like, please, nothing with the rate tag. <laughs> yeah, anything. Be, well, there should first of all, there should be tags. I think when that kind of stuff is involved. Personally? There probably was, buddy. There probably was, but I was just clicking There's no on a way. recommendation. I I, I, I remember that. ringing Jason, who recommended it to me the next day, and just kind of teeing off on him a fair bit because I was like, I gave him the whole speech. I, I went off. I was like, you stood at the aisle at my wedding. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> a sense of betrayal. How do you do this to me? Um, a sense of betrayal I've never felt before. It, it was it was it was quite a remarkable experience. Uh, but yeah, uh, Redo the Healer apparently hit some of the same beats and sparked this controversy that these shows tend to do every time they come out. Whereas, you know, is, is this appropriate to be animated? You know, yada yada yada. Um, right. Where do you guys kind of sit on on that spectrum? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, there is a there's a certain moment where you kind of watch some shows and you're wondering, you know. Are they showing this because they can, or is this something that really is story canonically ne- like a necessity? Right, I get a similar vibe with fan service sometimes, you know. Mm. Uh, and I have a lot to say about that, given the show we're going to talk about today. Oh boy, but, me too. You know, yeah, yeah, right. And I <laughs> me think three. When I st- uh, another thing, another show, another show we got that made me ask similar questions is B Stars. Right? Is this a story that can be told? in no other way than the way it's being told, right? The first episode of Goblin Slayer, um, you know, fan service shows that aren't explicitly like Ichi or whatever, you know, uh, anthropomorphic animals instead of human beings. Can the story that they're trying to tell be told in any other way or not? And if the answer is no, because it's just well-written for what it is, I I gotta let it go. I mean, fan service, if it plays, it plays. If it's tasteful, it's tasteful. With first episode of Goblin Slayer, I'd argue you didn't need to have any of that in there. You Ooh, could probably you have told not. a compelling. I did. I'm just saying you did not have to have the first episode of Goblin Slayer go the way it did, and you could probably still tell that story, right? Yeah, that that you didn't have to all have that all that there. Is completely unnecessary, in in my opinion. I, it, I think it was just there for shock value, and uh, I mean, if it's there for shock value alone, it achieved its goal. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my take. That's my take. I mean, if it if if it were taken out and it w- and the whole show wouldn't work, got to keep it in. They wrote it. They wrote it around there, and 
You may not like it, but I mean, it's it's part of the story that they have to tell. But mm. in this case, in Goblin Slayer's case, it didn't have to be there at all. So, Yeah, I think my position on it is like a little more complicated because I think, you know, there's a certain point where, you know, if it's if it's the artist story that they want to tell and they want to tell it, like let them do them. But I do like absolutely agree that in a lot of these cases, like you didn't need to do it this way. And it, it does feel very like, you know, in an effort to find the shock and awe and, you know, get your show some like quick little, uh, you know, notoriety or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, infamy, let's just say, and get people talking about your show. Um, so it definitely, I don't think is obviously necessary. There's a lot of shows where I think, you know, they can use it well, potentially, you know, if it's, if it's about that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, I think if they were to show like the traumas that, that these kind of scenarios, um, impose on people to help people in the real world, like start coming to bear, you know, grips with what's happened to them and stuff like that. Or say you have family members that this stuff has happened to. Like I could see you could use this stuff for good, but I just don't feel like that's the, really the goal in most anime. And it definitely like concerns me that, you know, um, let's just say people, some people that probably shouldn't be watching that kind of stuff are, you know what I mean? Just like people sort of already at, at their wits end or like a little bit, disjointed from humanity already like that's the kind of shit they love <laughs> yeah right. uh, yeah i mean <laughs> that's a good point if, if uh if anyone has goblin slayer in there is their number one pick for best anime ever of all time like i feel like that's <laughs> that's definitely warrant for them to be on some sort of list <laughs> yeah i don't know someone what list that be. is yet someone the, should they be, they watching be on them it regardless someone should yeah. be just be maybe yeah tracking their movements <laughs> just maybe watching their online activity i don't know i'm not I'm not. Uh, I'm not one to advocate for a complete watchdog state, you know. Um, but if to- if yeah, if if Goblin Slayer is your favorite anime, mm, yeah, let's keep an eye on you. It's warranted. Let's, let's keep be an real. Eye on you. Let's yeah. be if real. Ever, if you've watched Goblin Slayer, that's kind of a segue into stuff that's kind of getting me this uh, recently this season. The most happy anime has a season two. The time I was reincarnated as a slime. Yes. Everyone, yeah. if you want if you want to feel good, if you just want to feel wholesome, just go watch it. It's an isekai, sure, but it's about a slime that can do and anything it, like it's a It's so god. good. It's like unnecessarily it's so good. good. Yeah, and I, I think it, I mentioned it on, 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 on your guys' podcast last week, and I definitely mentioned it on my podcast the week before, but... Man, Skate the Infinite is uh, is still just a slice of wholesomeness about skating that is is warming my heart to this day. I, I fucking love that show. Okay, that I, I got to put that on my list because I think after recording, I need to watch that show because you're not now you're not the first person to tell me about how good that show is already. It Someone is. at work told me about it. I was like, all right, okay, yeah, wow, yeah, that, especially for a, a Bones production, like an in studio production. It's 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 definitely. Definitely swinging hard straight out of the gate. Yeah, and I also started watching one that felt kind of in the slime camp. Um, I'm a spider, so what? Oh, oh yeah. my god! It, it, <laughs> it is okay. So I understand what they're doing. Like they're kind of getting into. I can't tell if slime is like wedging a sub isekai genre in this case. It definitely feels like it's trying to derive a little bit from slime in some capacities but it's 
okay. Will I continue? I don't know. But again, it gives us something a little bit of warm and fuzzies. The spiders are cute. They're very adorable little white spiders. And <laughs> it looks atrocious. They, it, I don't know. I'm just saying. I, I'm having an okay time. I don't know if it'll... Uh, there's so much better this season right now. It is not one... Uh, like, maybe after, like, five episodes at a time pass and I have nothing to do on a Sunday, I'm like, all right, I'll... I'll I've already watched everything. The barrel is dry. Hmm. Let's go watch a spider. So what? Okay, so what? <laughs> I'm watching a spider. So what? Have you, have but, you guys uh, talked about how ridiculously good this season of anime is? Like, it, it's grossly yeah. packed. Like, it, we it's, can't shut up about it. <laughs> it's so, so gross. Good. Like, every time I log on to the apps and see, like, the new episodes of everything coming out, I'm just like, oh, what is happening? No, it's too much. It's too good. Um, yeah, I don't have it, the time. Tuesdays and Fridays are great days, and mm. uh, yeah, Mon- Monday's been Monday's been an absolute joy. This whole this whole thing with the, yeah. the final season of Attack on Titan hitting hitting our shores. Yep. Oh man, pick it up Wednesday. Jesus, all the other days around here just like carrying their weight. Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, and Friday. Wednesday, where are you? Get after here. Get on your game. <laughs> There's nothing. Nothing comes out Wednesday. <laughs> No, I don't. I can't think of anything. Uh, maybe we get Black Arrow Wednesdays. I, I'm not sure. I'm, What's um, Black Arrow? Oh, uh, it's like a um, mecha kind of post. Uh, very similar to like your Gurren Lagann and stuff like that. Um, huh. It's uh, curious. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh, I think I like the visuals more than I like anything else so far. Um, okay. I don't know. I'll probably Does I'll it probably have CGI? stick out. No, not not yet. I haven't seen any any good, atrocious good, CGI good. yet. <laughs> good. good start. Um, good start. Wanted, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm too I'm too fresh into it where I, I haven't really formed an opinion. I put it on in the background when I was when I was uh, editing uh, like last night, I think, or the night before, and um, yeah, it just kind of uh, like I picked up on a few things and I was definitely vibing it. But yeah, it's too early to form an opinion. But um, uh, I'll definitely keep watching it. I'll definitely watch that over the Spider Show a hundred percent. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> I would hey, too. Hey, hey. I'm just Don't on a hunt bad. for wholesome, y'all. I'm on a hunt for wholesome, y'all. That's all I want. Just a little wholesome <laughs> that I guess isn't necessarily slice of life. And I know yeah. there's many people upset at me for saying that, but it just oh, doesn't man. get my it doesn't get my goat, my gander. But some some slice of lives do. Yeah, I struggle. Some I struggle with slice there. of lives. It's 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 it's. I, I've come to the conclusion that it's just not for me. I am I am and a giant fine. shonen fuckboy, and speaking of giant shonen fuckboys, we should probably rip into the main topic, boys. We're talking Fire it's Force, time. season one and two. Let's hear that intro. Shinra Kusakabe, a third-generation pyrokinetic who gained the nickname Devil's Footprint for his ability to ignite his feet at will. He joins the Special Fire Force Company 8, an elite firefighting team who specialise in combating spontaneous human combustion. Shinra is determined to end this new plight on humanity and get revenge for the death of his mother and brother 12 years ago. But a mysterious doomsday cult is working from the shadows and may just be holding the key to spontaneous human combustion. Now, let's dive in to Fire Force Season 1 and 2. You got 
So, f- <laughs> uh, so fire for season one and two. Uh, so you boys, you boys clocked both seasons um, for this mm-hmm. review. I have, yes, we uh, have indeed. Very good. I'm so very proud. Um, so, so Thank was you. this your first experience with Fire Force <laughs> watching this, or was this a rewatch for you boys? So, I actually watched it as it came out, both season one and season two, but I rewatched season one because season two is still fresh. I still got all the deets in my head, but season yeah. one, I give it a lot of shit on our show, and I have, I have, a, I have a, a case to be made why that almost made season two better than I think season two actually is, but better just by comparison to season one. I mean, you're not the only one who gave shit to season one. Season one got hopped a whole bunch of hate when it first came out. Oh yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna find this absolutely wild. I think season one was infinitely better than season two. Oh fuck off! No way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm with him. Sorry. What? Season one's way better. Like infinitely better. Yeah. Like they okay. they are okay. hardly the same show. Yeah. See, season one right. is so tight when it comes to pacing. Uh, like how they unravel the mystery and how everything kind of is is paced out in season one, uh, where season two is just like season two feels like they took the show and then sped it up pacing and everything wise like a million percent and it's unrelenting and it's it's kind of a bit much for most of season two I find. Hmm. Okay. So I felt that season one they were focusing a lot on you know the lore was good and that's something i did celebrate from the rip like i do think the lore and the the backdrop of the world is very fascinating it's something that the mangaka of soul uh, soul eater could it's it's his work it's it's clearly good but yeah. i felt like there's a couple reasons one remember earlier in the show i was talking about where fan service does not belong <laughs> and i i use fire force season 1 as like the poster child for when things get tense, suddenly boom, fan service, and you're like, I, it doesn't, it doesn't cut everything down for me, but I'm like, I'm engaged in whatever they were doing, and now they're like, clearly fan service is not unintentional. They put it there for a reason. I don't really know what the reason is. So I mean, I felt that from a character standpoint, very disjunct. It didn't get, I didn't get a lot of uh, backstory to some of the characters I was hoping for. And I think season two cleared that up a lot for me, for the ones I was interested in from a character standpoint, at least. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think season one was more like everything felt like it made sense in such like in a way, right. Cause we don't know much about the world yet. So 
you know, a lot of the character reactions and stuff like that make sense at that point. And then for me, season two was just like, like they're getting shut down left and right. They find out this insane mystery and they're just like, well, we're fucked. And then like just absolute calamity ensues near the end of the season. And then that, that, that fan service you say that you don't like about season one gets ramped up to 10 billion and in the end of season two. And it's like, like there's literally two whole episodes where Maki just, or not Maki, uh, whatever her name is, Tamaki literally just yeah. doesn't have Tamaki. clothes. Yeah. I feel like there's a bunch of that. I mean, there's a bunch of that in season one as well. I mean, do we, maybe do we just uh, want to rip the bandaid hmm. off and just talk about Tamaki for like the first five, 10 minutes and then just forget about her. We're like go- I'm trying to. We're, Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm down. I yeah. fucking hate the Lucky Lua syndrome. I hate her design. I hate her as a character. I think she actively detracts so much from this series. And I am searching the internet for a cut version of Fire Force where they just edit out all her scenes because I feel like that show is <laughs> a magnitudes better. I can't, I can't think of I anything agree. redeeming about that character. She's not even fun to watch in fight scenes. Because no, she like she like lost her entire ability to fight now. It's like ridiculous. Mm. They're basically sidled yeah. her up as a second as a second nun now. That's that's all she is. Right. And what's funny is she was the main reason why I was not a big fan of season one because of all that. And it's almost as if, you know, I say there's a lot of fan service, but in reality, they the the writer or whoever was responsible for this funneled all of the fan service, or at least the grand majority of it, into her character. And this is a common issue in a lot of anime where it's like they have a character that's completely relegated to just being a uh, vessel of fan service, and that's all they're good for. And it's almost be- it's, instead of writing the ship for her character, they recognized it and made her a nun. They literally sidelined her. Because she was almost like fan servicing and not getting anything done. She wasn't progressing. So, I mean, I have to agree. She really isn't my thing. And I'm kind of all twin pigtailed burnt out. I've said it on my show. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just bored of the design. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's uninspired at this point for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I think I, she I just she acts like her. such a bratty child too. Like I think if if her character had any redeeming qualities whatsoever, like I think it'd be okay. Like at the end of season one, for instance, when she actually like reached out and called for Shinra to come help her, I'm like, okay, she's making progress where she's not going to be a complete asshole, you know, the next season. And then she turns out to be like, first of all, relegated to only being a nun essentially where she's not even fighting anymore. And which whatever, she was never really like that good of a fighter to begin with. And then secondly, and then now when she's being a nun, she's just like extra prone to having all her shit ripped off it's just like it's a little bit like ridiculous and i mean as as you as you were saying before like there is other there is other fan service characters in the in this series like you have uh uh hinaba or how is it pronounced yeah hibana hibana yeah she uh, from company five like she she is a fan service character but also one with a good backstory um some interesting character quirks and um and my is, biggest problem was season two and you're not enough habana oh i was gonna not say, enough. I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah that's 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 fair I, I would almost agree with you on that one um 
if I if I didn't find the constant um, BDSM nature of all her company just a touch upsetting, um, just on a personal level. <laughs> I, just just every scene where they're in and they're like she's stepping on them and they're just like oh please mistress more more I'm like I'm watching this at work can you not for five minutes I'm watching this at work <laughs> I just yeah um, you, you know but, in that in that light though I think her getting clocked by Shinra in, epi- in season one maybe was more uh, consistent with her character of why she's enamored with him because no one's she's been stepping all over people and punching them for years someone finally did it back and she's like oh my god i want you maybe that's consistent i'm not even sure (laughs) i mean yeah i I would probably that that seems like an easy line of logic to follow um you've always mentioned it a few times but the uh the creator of this of this series um atsui uh okubo is the also the creator of soul eater which is one of my all-time favorite um animes of all times it's it's a comfort food of anime for me at this point um Mm -hmm. I think this might be a better example of what he what he's best at when it comes to you know um, being a being a, a manga artist and it's it, it's pure world building. His his ability to world build is is phenomenal. Like the Tokyo Empire oh, feels like yeah. such a fleshed out and real place, and everything about you know the the generations of pyrokinetics and the spontaneous human combustions and the infernals and all that stuff and the way the the fire force as a, as a whole functions as these separate entities that fall under their different kind of guiding forces whether it be the the soul holy temple or the the um the the big industry um hibachi industry or whatever it's called it's, it's definitely IG, yeah, yeah yeah that's it um <laughs> or, or the military like uh, it's so amazing how good he is at world building and i feel like if he's world building and maybe a better story writer were to meet up and collab on something um it could be potentially one of the best things ever made well i I think what he did with his story was pretty bad honestly like so he put up all these cool like you know monoliths to basically look at like you're saying the the church all the fire force companies the army you know hijima and then in this season he has them all like work together essentially which to me seems like it shouldn't be happening like, I don't know if, if that's how you guys felt, but, like, it felt like they just instantly in the middle of the season were like, you know what, we're all boys now, and we're yeah, going to all the, help the eighth. And it's it felt like the whole point of the first season was that there was there was resistance within these organizations, and the eighth was supposed to go in and investigate that, and then now they took the whole point of it away. Huh. Yeah, I, th- I think the midpoint okay. of season two where where the, the big industry kind of automatically is just after one meeting just signs up with... Um, with Company Eight to to build the the new uh, Amaterasu that's not powered by um, spoiler alert, uh, not powered by any humans with a, <laughs> a dollar burst. Um, they immediately were just like, yeah, okay, if you think you can do it, we'll do it. We'll back you a hundred percent financially, and you know, yada yada yada. I'm like, there's no conflict here. That the conflict that was here before is now vanished, and we're only left with the villains that are the white clads and the evangelist, who, quite frankly, I don't think have a strong enough you know, are, are strong enough alone to be the, the sole villain in this series. I, I liked it when we had these different opposing forces. And now that it's just the white clads and the evangelist, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose. Are you guys okay. finding it like weird as shit that they just keep leaving Shinra by him like alone, even though they're capturing all these other pillars? Um, I did yeah. find that a little weird. 
I found that a little weird. I mean, but it, it's it's not so weird that it's it would be like incredibly inconsistent because I mean, he is he's got an Adola burst, and I mean he is by all accounts one of the most raw powerful characters, maybe behind like you know Benny Hama or whatever. Uh, I'm just gonna call him Benny, but I mean it, it is fascinating how I took it as an implicit trust in in basically Shinra able to protect himself, right? Maybe too much trust, but at least I found it consistent, at least a little bit. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, why are, the, why are the white clad not capturing him? I don't, I don't think they uh, can, to be honest. I mean, with his speed alone, I think Sho would probably be the only character who could potentially uh, yeah. stop him. How, but speed I mean, alone, Halmea Shin, could Shinra's fuck him out. up easy. Oh, yeah, but is doing fucking whatever Halmea wants to do. He, as, as a character, I find her motivations and drive to be completely random with seemingly yeah. no structure behind She's them. better so. than Inka. I can't stand Inka. She's my least favorite character in this entire series by far. Yeah. Interesting. She's definitely just got a whole I, I, watch the world burn mentality, mm-hmm. which is kind of played out at now at this point. It's also just I like have... straight up a boring mentality. Like, mm. <laughs> hmm. I, I want to be near danger. Da- men- <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Just two things I wanted to mention. One, <laughs> I do think the white clad's plan. It's what it looks like. I, I even thought they might have said it or a throwaway line, but just the vibe is they're going after more pillars to bolster their ranks to the point where there is not a chance of losing to Shinra and Co. You know, like that there wouldn't be even a reason why, even if they had the entire backing of the fire soldiers, that they would still win, which is what it seemed to me at the beginning of season two where they're, they went and captured a newly awakened one. So they're, it's obvious that they're after other pillars and um, I read the that. motivation. Well, I, I watched well, that as like that they, they need, they, they need the pillars because the pillars are crucial for their, their doomsday plan. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 That is the ultimate goal. But in oh, terms okay. of ordering by which they get them, they're like, all right, Shinra is actually pretty dope. He survived against show. I mean, like, the fastest dude that can literally stop time. That's a problem. Let's go make sure we have all the other pillars to make this. It's almost like, uh, you know, the, the tailed beast from Naruto, right? They go and grab everybody else really before they have to get to the big guys, like the ones that could really fuck some shit up. Right. Yeah, um, I suppose you, you don't go after Kurama it. when the one tail's still running about makes sense. Exactly. We can just grab the other seven real yeah. casually, which they did in two man cells. Which is what they're trying to do. Right. They're trying to do that with Shinra, basically, when they come back with every pillar besides him. It's like, well, shit, this is going to be uh, no win for me, guys. Mm. I'm just going to go with them. And okay. My, my counter to that argument is when when Charon kicked the shit out of Shinra and left him there, like, fainted, why wouldn't he just take him with him? Like, it makes no sense to me. Their Their, their motivations are, like all over the place and that's what kind of sh- like really pissed me off about the second season is the first season we knew what they wanted to do and they were a good enemy and then this season they're like helping them often they're like doing all this weird stuff like imagine yeah. imagine instead of what we got we got we got Shinra captured and then we get to watch our boys in the 8th go fight into the white clad and grab Shinra back like imagine if that's like Shinra retrieval arc yeah, that, that would be better. And I mean, as you said, like the white clad, not only did they leave Shinra there when they could have captured him, but they also left another um, another pillar 
uh, with Hajima Industries too because they were just like, oh, no, he's got a protector. We'll come back and get him later. I was like, fucking get him now. What are you doing? Yeah, it makes no <laughs> sense. That's, that's why, why wait I, so they can be stronger and move and know that you're going to come back and get him at some point? Like, yeah, they, they, they're wildly inconsistent throughout this throughout this uh, series. Okay. Also, can Y'all we talk about the me. fact that the white clad's feet? What the fuck is up with their uniform and their feet? They have little stumpy hoof things shoes. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but it drove me insane. Oh, I noticed it. Cloven hooves, cloven hoof shoes. It's a, it's a fashion piece. I don't Why? know. Why? To me, that means every <laughs> single white clad that you see has to be wearing high heels. Otherwise, the dimensions of their feet don't work. So show That's their is, initiation. Shows maybe three foot tall with like a four inch heel at this point. Like, it, I, I don't get it. <laughs> That's a good point. I, I yeah, you know what you guys have convinced me on that point. You guys convinced me on the on the white clad season two. There's enough there where it's definitely weaker as a as an antagonistic force. I guess really because I'm trying to think what was it about season one I didn't like, and I think what it was was the world building. Hear me out. It's not actually the world building. It's that he basically the story focused on the infighting from the outset after giving me. Just a little, just a little bitty, bitty taste of what looks like a beautiful, sprawling world of lore and religion versus technology and militaristic might, and um, and then boom, you have like the majority of the first season with infighting within the Fire Soldier Regiment, and I'm like, when season two hit, and I finally got to go outside of Neo Tokyo, I finally got to go outside of that and see what the world outside is like, because the calamity was clearly not just Tokyo. That was the moment I was like, yes, this is what I wanted from the beginning, an exploration of the world because it's sprawling and somehow both desolate and bursting with intrigue at the same time. And I don't know. I think that's what enamored me about the second season is he finally kind of got his breathing room and really started to do some actual world building and stopped. In, and maybe there was too rushed to the way they did it. The way you said it just started to cooperate. Okay. I'll concede that that was unusually just oh we're all on the same or against the same goal of trying to figure out what the hell is going on with the Matarasu and Indola and all that stuff I'll admit that was a bit quick but for me it was like yeah fucking I don't give a shit about the infighting I don't care that's such that's that's peanuts compared to the rest of the world and what's actually going on here because I'm really curious so maybe curiosity got the better of me and season two answered some questions I was kind of left with well but I didn't I- see the bigger picture I don't know I think the craziest thing, right, is they come back from that mission to China or wherever it was. I think it was supposed to be China. And yep. they say they like basically take what what they know to be their Bible verses and basically say it's all lies. And everyone essentially instantly uh, like acknowledges that that's the truth rather than like fighting it. Like I, I, I'm just confused. Like he set up this world to be like a fervent religious world where they, you know, worship the sun. And then they come back and they say, oh, actually, the ba- the big bad created this religion. And everyone's just like, okay, yeah, the big bad created this religion. It just seems like very, um, like a scatterbrained plot currently. Like, I-, I still think this show has some of the best visuals out of any show ever. But, like, yeah, it is absolutely all over the place. It is all, all over the place plot-wise. Well, as, hmm. to, to your point that 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 that, that first uh, the first bit of the second season when they when they finally get out of the the um the Tokyo Empire and they they travel to the Chinese Peninsula, I would argue that that arc is good that we get to get a bit more world building and we get out of the empire. But also, 
what actually comes of that arc is what we get the reveal that the Holy Soul Temple is is not what it seems and that maybe that there's a human being powering Omatarasu. As a viewer, we all guessed that. We all knew that. So why make that reveal like it's something big? Why not make that reveal the same way they make the reveal of Light being a, a hygiene spy where they say, oh, I'm a hygiene spy, and everyone's like, yeah, we figured. Like, everyone, <laughs> no shit. everyone knew that going into it. I don't know about you guys, but I, I just assumed that this, um, you know, a perpetual um, energy machine that was powered by flame in a world where spontaneous human combustions and pyrokinetics are a thing. I'm like, oh, so there's obviously a person in the middle of that, right? Like, where I else actually are didn't. They? Oh, okay. Fuck, am I smart? Oh, my God. But <laughs> I, is this but my first I, I big think brain it's movement? because they never <laughs> really, like, move. they never really made that anywhere, like, implied. So it absolutely is a galaxy brain move here because they, I, as far as I could tell, I mean, then again, I'm, I'm like kind of struggling to follow the plot a little bit because, like yeah, I said, yeah. it's like all fucking over the place. Um, and also, you know, all the, all the stuff I care about does not seem to be getting like answered or mentioned at all. And mm. we're, we're going through like this weird roller coaster of, of plot lines. Like in the beginning of season two, right? We were, we were, felt like we were on the way to figuring out like, why you know what's up with shinra's mom and you know what happened that day and then they cut away after they go talk to the captain of the fourth and then they start doing all this chinese peninsula shit and it's like yeah it's sort of headed in the same direction but then it flips them in a completely different direction and i don't know i'm just, i feel like i'm just getting whiplash here trying to follow what the hell's going on the and that's pa- not something pacing. that's like common for me yeah, the pacing and the storytelling in this series is is fucking wild from woe to go. Like it is, it's it's all over the shop. Like there, there is some plot lines and storylines that get wrapped up the same episode that they come up, and there's some that get mentioned and then maybe tangentially wrapped up later. Like um, the big infernal that they face in the start of season one, they they never be like they never kind of react to that the way that they should react to that. Where it's like, well, what is this thing? Where did this come from? It's kind of there. They defeat it, move on, and then it's later in that season where we meet the um the white clad lady who makes those big infernals, um and then mm-hmm. they're like oh she made the big infernal from the the first one I'm like yeah but you guys weren't ever really that curious it seems about that infernal you just kind of dealt it and dealt with it and moved on so I don't know they also shit on it it was like bad <laughs> how bad they beat it yeah they fucking ruined that thing uh, that's something I do want to talk about too the the demons that they face wildly okay. inconsistent when it comes to threat level from a viewer perspective because the demon that they face by themselves where uh, Benny isn't there to kill it, um, when they're coming up with their plan, it's just meandering to the side, not really doing any damage, just kind of walking about and they just kind of vaguely lure it to where it needs to be and it never really seems threatening. It just seems hard to kill. It's never doing anything that seems super-duper yeah, threatening. Yeah, that's a good point interesting I, I guess i have a question i had a question because i'm i'm now i'm willing to you know see past <laughs> i'm listen i haven't talked about it critically yet we haven't talked about it like kind of to break it down but i mean there's chinks I, and, in his armor someone, yeah there's chinks in the armor attack right the attack philip are... attack oh i will don't worry <laughs> i got i got, I got shots the in the chamber here we go <laughs> here's the thing I am enamored by Sakuga. There, I said it on your show, but it's it's an I'm a broken record on mine because it's like 
yes, I'm enamored, enamored by beautiful animation. That is what a, a, a mass show on all accounts, but is drawn beautifully, I'll rank way higher than it should be. But here on this show, I am willing to let down the wall of my high hill and the opinion I stand on and see what's like kind of asked critically. So I think with the pacing issue, do you think that this narrative, the story has more world than the story itself allows, right? Because the fact that they have to whiplash means there's so much to touch on in a world that is, as we've said, beautifully dense with, with so many things to talk about and to have storylines about. Do you think that they're just biting off more than they can chew with the story and then just kind of whiplashing around? Is that the reason why it feels whiplashy? They're just they rushing. Can't tell everything. Yeah, yeah. It, feel, it feels rushed. It feels like these these two seasons uh, could have played out over four and it would have been fine. I feel like it wouldn't have been too slow paced. And in fact, I find the moments where they where they slow down this show and they they kind of take a moment to breathe and we actually get some time to kind of sit and kind of enjoy the world that they've built and enjoy the characters that they've, they've kind of created uh, are the better moments of this show. It, 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 it's, it's weird that they've rushed it so far and I kind of understand why they're rushing it because if you were to like, okay, the first time I watched this show, I did not think any of these critical thoughts whatsoever because the whole time I was just fucking on the edge of my seat going, fuck me. How good is fire? Give me more fire. I love everything yeah, that's right. happening right now. <laughs> I'm there for it. Yeah, but it, it's only on like when you look at it and actually kind of try and piece together the story or try and have some critical thought about it where you're just kind of left being like, oh, yeah, there's, hmm. uh, there's, there's nothing. There's, not, there's nothing here. Damn it. Damn it, Philip. You made me think. I know. It's and terrible, now everything's right? ruined. You made me Big think. Mistake. You made me apply. Big mistake. Okay, it, what, huge. You, what, you just, what you just said, though, about it slowing down and breathing thinking back i'm thinking of like my favorite episodes from season two and the one i think it's called dark hero about victor and kind of showing you really kind of his you know just his kind of day-to-day about him interacting with the eighth and then finding out he interacts with hajima and that felt very slow almost like a weird noir moment in an action shonen and i really actually enjoyed that episode that kind of dove into Victor as an individual that he's really doesn't technically have any allegiances, but whatever gets him closest to quote unquote, the truth is what, where he will like align himself with. I found that one of the most compelling episodes of season two. And it's kind of what you said. They didn't, they weren't kicking. They weren't blowing fire. It was just very subdued and Mm. maybe they need to do that more often. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree on that. Um, and as as all these negative or seemingly negative things we say about it, that that all for me almost entirely falls to the wayside whenever the Ashen Reaper is fighting. Because fuck me, I love that dude. Hell man. yeah! Oh, <laughs> so and Benny Harmer, like oh his his arc in the first season, like that arc is is great. Him being this you know proto nationalist and watching this whole kind of town of knuckleheads completely cheering as as rain death and destruction is sent from the heavens by benny harmer is it's it's so good man it's it's so amazing the god of destruction oh so good um i do have my favorite character yeah Yeah, easy yeah same (laughs) um i do i do have a question for you boys i i assume you guys have watched soul eater as well or read soul eater Yes. yes so 
Atsubi, um, the the creator of this, Atsui Okabu, does he hate King Arthur mythos? It seems like he does. Because Excalibur in Soul Eater is fucking awful. And Arthur in this show is probably the dumbest character ever committed to screen. He's that dumb (laughs) where I, I question his ability to breathe in and out on a regular basis. Unless you tell him breathing will save the princess. Then he'll yeah. do it all day. <laughs> so do you think he hates King Arthur mythos? Or is this his friendly homage to it? Um, what, what, what do you think? I think hmm. th- that's a very interesting question. Because I don't think if you really if you really uh, hated something this much, you'd include it in all of your stories. I think that'd be a little bit aggressive. Um Oh, that's the kind of passive aggressive I'm here for, though. Fuck if if it yeah, hits. I just I just don't see it. You know, I mean, it's a lot of effort and money to put that into your show if you actually hate it. I think it's probably supposed to be like a lighthearted, like um, jab slash homage toward it. You know what I mean? Like, how dumb is this fucking you know story? You know what I mean? Mm. But then he's creating his own story that's you know equally as let's just say crazy. You know, especially with like, you know, the the death gods and stuff like that and Soul Eater and the Meisters and all that. Like, I think he's just saying, like, this is my version of this. You know what I mean? And he thinks his is better, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Hmm, what, I, did, what did you think of I'd Arthur take... as the character in, in Fire Force? I found him funny. I mean, in terms of, like, he he gave me more of the opinion I think you were looking for about his take on, you know, Arthurian myth mythos and stories of that nature is that I think he's not necessarily hating on it. It's a recognition clearly, but I think he's subverting it for comedic aspects. Cause if you think about those, those myths and those stories that take after or use that story tropes from the, the legends of Arthur and stuff like that, they're very regal. They're very, you know, they're very kind of uh, gold clad in, in Western myth, right? It's, you know, he's the king, he's the chosen one. But in both cases, in his stories, they're always comedic relief, right? Excalibur was comedic, Arthur is comedic, and I think that he is just using this gold clad mythos and turning it on its head for comedy's sake, which it works for me. I find both of those characters actually pretty funny on screen. Useful? No, but funny all the same. I can't believe we're talking about this and not not recognizing like the origin of this whole weird thing he's got going on is because he was left as a little kid by himself in his house and his parents just ditched him. Yeah, can we like, can we take a moment just to like I don't know weep openly about how fucking sad that backstory is? I mean, that's it's unbelievable. Really sad. <laughs> Heinous. So parents, so how can frankly. you how how can you get on this kid when he's just like he's doing anything he can to kind of I guess make his world make sense. You know what I mean? To deal and with I don't the blame PTSD him for that. Clearly suffering with a hundred percent. Like that's hundred yeah, percent what yeah. this is. And then I thought he had a great character moment this season. When uh, early on, when Shinra is like going full demon, and he basically is like, "Oh, I thought you wanted to be a hero," you know, just kind of like like re oh, like engaging yeah. who Shinra is, right, and reinforcing who Shinra is. And uh, you know, I thought he had a lot of great development this season. Maybe not like development, development, but like um, a lot of good moments. Let's just say, because I mean, he really hasn't changed much since season one. 
No, no character has though. No, no character has, has changed or grown. There's, there's been zero character development within the eighth. Um, hmm. Uh, so, apart captain? from Shinra. Apart from Shinra. Sorry. Didn't Vi- Vice Captain had some pretty good kind of character growth of just kind of recognition of what I guess not necessarily character change, but growth in that what how far is he willing to push himself for his squad? It's always been apparent, but he's always kind of been words. And I think there was that moment underground where he was kind of putting his life on the line for people that weren't even in a squad. And I was like, okay, um, he's not all talk. So I guess it's more character fleshing out than rather yeah, okay. hard, yeah, no, hard yeah, pivots yeah, or hard yeah, changing. You're probably I right I can see there. that, though. But yeah. you're right. But you're right. Most, most often, they're pretty stagnant. Question on that, though, most characters like Arthur having a really really sad backstory but never touched again because they've been relegated to say a comedic role would you be more engaged if you know uh the just the mangaka or whoever the powers that be pivot his character away from comedic right we lose that comedic aspect because again he's entertaining to in some degree but i do kind of wish he gets his arc right that he kind of breaks out of his shell and it stops using this arthur myth as kind of a defense mechanism for that PTSD and kind of confronts it. There's room for that, I think, for him. Mm. I, th- I think for me, the thing I would like to see Arthur as a character do is to uh, uh, not pivot away from the comedic stuff or not pivot away from being that that kind of that tropey character. But I think a moment for me that would really pay off for his whole character would just be a realisation that he doesn't have to pretend to be this holier than holier-than-thou King Arthur character because he is that King Arthur character. He is a knight who has repeatedly saved a bunch of lives and he's always, you know, always putting himself on the front line to to help out. And he doesn't need to pretend to be this this knight character that he's envisioning because he is that character he's envisioning. And I think a moment like that would really pay off for me um, for his whole character where he can step away from the f- fantasy because he re- his reality is is that actual fantasy. Like, he doesn't need to pretend anymore. I think I think for me personally, that, was, that, that would pay off I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> yeah, that was that was inspirational as fuck. I mean, shit, you should, you should be doing tours on that. It's like, you are the hero in that myth. Get out there. That is your reality. You could do it. Well, um, well, well, that's bars, homie. Bars. That's awesome. Uh, oh, you're going to make me blush, boys. Come on. Um, <laughs> I, I I think I'm at the end of my notes. The, I only have a few a few little things that I that I wanted to say. Um, I love Vulcan as a character. I think his his contribution Same. to the fight uh, to yes. the T eight is great. Um, I hate and Lisa this girl as a is character. bad as fuck. Oh, fuck she's yeah, bad though. Oh man, <laughs> like bad though. She she domio thick, and I'm all about it. But also, I I, I'm, <laughs> I I don't enjoy her as a character. I feel like her dynamic in the eighth is is not too great when she's super hostile towards everyone else. Um, but if she was yeah. to say be super friendly <laughs> and and eventually maybe put the put the fire force jacket on and get on the front lines, I could I could be all about that in in a in a big way. Um, yeah, you know, you know, they're Vulcan just so forgiving, man. Time. It makes no sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good point, and and uh, Obi is is obviously an amazing as a, 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 an amazing fire captain and um, a a truly good good character in, in this series. Who who I you want to talk about? You want to you want to talk about thick? Mm. Obi is a 
thick, wide load. I love him. He is the like the epitome of badass captain, and he is unpowered. He is going in there. Totally he's an raw. absolute dump truck of a man. He's, he's a dump truck, Tonka ass, like getting in there in the shit. Oh my god! Like he is, he is the like. If I were to have been dropped in a world like Fire Force and have no powers, I would just be like, go find Obi and just teach me, dude. I need this. <laughs> yeah, I need and to I mean, be able like, to do this. He and they justify him being such a beefcake because every scene where he's not fighting, he's just like lifting weights and pre- like doing bench presses and yes. Like they justify it. like you in like other characters like that in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, you never see Lieutenant Armstrong lifting weights. No, he's just a beefcake from day one. But no, Obi's mm-hmm. out here fucking grinding every day. Grinding. Oh yes. Oh yes, getting there. Getting up. I respect that. that. Uh, so do you so actually have any... I've, I've, I've three more things actually. Go go for it. Go. Oh. So one, I was extremely frustrated that there wasn't more training with Bini Maru or like a lot of it, right? It felt like the last, the end of last season that they were just straight up going to train with him for a while. Yeah, agreed. And it's like completely abandoned this season, which is wild because that leads into my second point, which now that we've kind of seen more of all these different squads, it's unbelievable how much stronger the eighth as a squad is being so small than like 90% of all fire force, you know, fire soldiers, like these guys were getting picked off in the nether like it was nothing. Not really yeah. sure why. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, like, we do see some so we do see some ridiculously strong characters from the other from the other teams, but it, it never seems to be every member of the team is, is as strong as the eighth. Like the the guy from the first who uses heat to turn into ice, which is some black magic with witchcraft that makes no sense. Yeah, that amazing. is some bull- that is some baby back bullshit right there. I don't want to hear that. Actually, frustrated me. I'm like, oh, you use heat to turn ice. I mean. I don't know. Seems I mean, like there's a Continue. Sh- show show <laughs> uses heat to stop the expansion of the universe to stop time. Um, yeah, I, be- but that's I believe, fuck. You- and I believe that more than I believe someone using a bell to change heat waves into sound waves and sound waves into Thank freezing. You. So yeah, I-, I I am on board with you on that one because like <laughs> I-, I love it. Yeah. Um, there's also that really sick character from, I think, the fourth who goes to the Chinese Peninsula with them who uses, like, forge fire abilities. Oh, yo. He yeah, was, he was and his Ugo, Ugo or something? Yeah. Ugon? Yeah. Ugon or something like that. He was wicked. Oh, I, I loved him. Was... But, yeah, there, there yeah, doesn't seem sick. to be as many strong characters in the, in the, other, in the other Fire Force companies. I, I, I do agree with you on that one. It's just, I think it's it's classic shonen kind of syndrome where everyone that we see just ends up being stronger than like all the other fodder from all the other squads. It's similar to like when you watch Naruto. Why are all the the kids that we're watching like way better than every other shinobi in the freaking leaf? It makes no sense. But you know, because we spend so much time with them, you know, the the author can't let them be little like wussbacks in comparison. So I don't know. I don't know if it's like a fixable thing, but it is weird that they're just like little infernals were killing all those second, uh, those second fire force guys. Um, and then my my third thing is actually related to that one of the guys that went with them to the Chinese Peninsula. And I was wondering if you guys caught it. The uh, the lieutenant who had the whistle. Did you catch his name? No, I didn't catch no, his name. What was What's his, his name? name? His name was Pert Copan. As in that's bad. Kurt- as in Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. 
<laughs> I loved it. I again, loved I dig it. it. How, how does pyrokinesis, the ability to control fire, grant you the ability to use a whistle to grant buffs? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. They, didn't, they, they never explained he's that one. He made no mage. sense. He's a bard. No, he's a muse. He's a muse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a, you're right. He's a bard. He's a bard yeah. for sure. I'm into that. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I didn't so catch cool. that. I didn't catch that. What did you think of Juggernaut, the character? Because I found his accent maybe in the English dub, maybe one of the most grossest things I've ever heard. Okay. I watched you the got, dub. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. You are talking to a, a, a person who lives in the South of America and they were clearly trying to do a Southern accent and it was, it was abysmal. Absolutely yeah, abysmal. Okay. It's, it were? It's it's like when oh, I do my no. Australian accent to your ears, <laughs> except except infinitely worse. Yeah, that Touché. that that was terrible. It was it was really bad. All right, y'all. I, I mean, I watch it in sub. I, I guess I got to go watch at least the scene because you could tell in the subtitles that they were making it seem like some kind of drawl, right? It was very yeah. heavily thick accented, at like you know apostrophes and missing G's everywhere. I, I get it. I get that what they were going for, but I guess I got to go back and watch that dub just of that scene, or should I save myself the trouble with my ears? I don't know. I, I go I'm for curious it. now. Yeah, you'll I'm know. Gonna it. It. I'm gonna do it. I'll mess. I'll message you later, Ethan. We'll as see as someone on. who someone who routinely watches stuff that's bad just for the sheer thrill of enjoying horrible things. <laughs> True. Go, go for it. True. Dive okay. in, <laughs> go but, for it. But his it. character was a pain in the ass too. He's like one of those tropey characters where they can't die because they're just like always like unhittable it's sort of like Tagoro's younger brother in um whatever it's called Yu Hakusho which was also yeah. annoying as hell but uh counterpoint I liked his arc because he was so high defense and unhittable that when he finally kind of broke through his little arc of just like being an actual but like soldier and protecting people he put himself finally in harm's way because up to that point, his character and his is like powers kind of aligned very well. And then once he kind of changed his character, his power was no longer, you know, it suited him in a different way. I liked it a lot. Then he went in with the big bad nuke and just fucked everything up. It I don't know. I really mean it wasn't his, annoying. His... <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he was definitely annoying. I'm just saying he definitely had an arc that fit him. Like it was proper for him. It felt concise. It felt nice. Uh, but yes, he was annoying up to that point, I would say. You can't hit the guy. What are you going to do? He wears like 17 coats. Yeah. <laughs> nah, uh, so do, do you boys have any, any final thoughts? Or are we going to give this, a, are we gonna give this a, a, a rating now? Um, final thoughts. Y'all convinced me it's not as good as I thought it was, but it's still, <laughs> still, a, it's still a solid show. I'll give it that. I'm, I'm in for the next season. How's that? Yeah, I, I think it was good. Um overall like solid absolutely serviceable i just think that uh this season kind of got away from them a little bit and i think philip from what you're saying it kind of sounds like you feel the same way and i just feel like you know it's it's a little bit uh let's say disappointing because of how gorgeous the show is and like you know how cool i think the powers could be and stuff like that to be in the kind of situation we're in but I think, you know, obviously, if you guys haven't watched this show, first of all, we just spoiled everything. But second of all, you should at least watch it if you just enjoy action. And I think, mm. you know, if you turn your brain off to, like, some of the gaping holes in the story, you'll like it. Yeah, I mean, for me, this this falls into that category of, like, um, it's like anime junk food. Like, I know 
I know it's bad for me and I know it's probably detrimental to my overall health in general. Um, but I, I keep going back to it because it, it's, it, it's good, man. It, it is good. It's, it's the KFC three piece feed of anime. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of chicken. <laughs> it's a lot of fat. There's a lot of stuff in there. That's probably not doing me any good, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a keep getting it every day. I'm a cape I like that so much. Fire Force is the KFC of anime. You know it's <laughs> bad for you, but if you, I'm gonna eat the whole bucket anyway. I'm yeah, gonna exactly. sit there and eat the whole damn bucket. I um, so yeah, for me, for me, Fire Force is probably it's probably not getting it in general, but getting it as well. It's it's right in the middle line of being something I, I very much enjoy and something that I find has a lot of flaws. So, um, okay. if you boys was to say overall if it's getting it or not getting it, where would you where would you fall? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's almost like my rating system of a, a broad overall category is completely flawed and yeah. a, a bad idea from the day I, dot. But I'm too stubborn to change. So yeah, <laughs> no, I, I like it because I like it because you can kind of like fall in this kind of soft gradient somewhere. On our show, we're hard numbers, baby. It's a <laughs> laboratory. You got to give hard facts. But I like this that you kind of have. I, I think it is. I think it's getting it. But it's not quite at, like, the end of that getting it scale, right? I think it has all the pieces. I think it has so many good pieces, it doesn't really know how to tie them together. If it, and like you said, if they slow down, take a breath, really give, like, one season a good story in one aspect of the world to concentrate at a time, it's going to get it. But it needs, to, it needs to stop trying to get so much, right? It's doing too much things, too many things. But it'll do it beautifully. David Production is what makes me think, you know, David Production can get it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, yeah, sure, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer on my scale instead of yours because I really just don't know what I would call this. Uh, no, that's fair. So I think... I'll just edit it out anyway, so just go, go, go nuts. Fair enough. <laughs> He's and the you god know what? of this new world. <laughs> and you know what? That doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> um, nah, shoot, so bro. I think personally I would say season one was – significantly better than this and i'd give that probably an 80 um i don't know combustible humans out of 100 and then this season i'll mm. give it like a 69 combustible humans out of 100 that's hot that's hot yeah i'm down for that yeah, yeah that's hot right yeah, so we'll, we'll move into the the next segment uh this is the moldy cheese segment this is a segment of the show where we take a look at the various shows that aired on cheese tv and we decide whether it's aged like fine cheese or if it's just moldy this week on the menu, it's the 1998 Australian animated series Little Elvis Jones and the Truck Stoppers. Let's hear that intro. Here's the story, Sonny Jim. And I swear every word is true. To a home and star on a desert night in a Cadillac of golden light on a floor by a truck stop door. Surprise for Len and Grace A little baby boy in a guitar case A new mom and dad could hardly believe their eyes And as the caddy vanished into the night I was sure we'd been touched by the king So they called me Little Elvis And mom reckons I'm the son of the king A little Elvis I was born with a gift to sing So with Janet and Lionel we made a band spread And did you feel There 
there's that ripping intro. Um, so I sent you guys <laughs> both a link to Little Elvis Jones and the Truck Stoppers. Did you? Uh, did you? Um, did you watch it? I assume. I think you both uh, watched it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I gave I gave it two episodes. I couldn't even give wow. it the religion of three. Wow, I, ga- sorry, I gave it the religion of three. Um, but completely understandable if you don't, because uh, <laughs> nostalgia pulled me through about th- two and a half episodes. I reckon. So this okay. is something you did watch as a kid, correct? That's yeah, the, I that's mean, the question. Yeah. The oh, okay. So the caveat of this section. Um, uh, is the, the multi cheese segment we're normally going through shows that aired on Cheese TV. This didn't technically air on Cheese TV, but I thought for the few uh, for my first international guest, I'd, I'd share with you a bit of True Blue Ocker history. So yeah, I did watch this show growing up on ABC uh, over here in the states, uh, over here in the states, over here in Australia. Um, <laughs> I feel like everyone my age and uh, younger and older would know this show. Uh, the People I've spoken to this show about at work over the last you know week or so, and and the the Dorktown boys as well. Everyone knows this show. Everyone's aware of this show. It's probably the most well known Australian animated series. Um, uh, apart no from way. The, uh, Get uh, out of, of town. Its, dude. Of its time, now it would be Bluey. I don't know if you guys know what Bluey is, but it's a. Of it's course Australian. not. <laughs> you have you have to know the answer is no, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it's it's literally Australia's biggest export when it comes to TV series, and and it's a cartoon series about a young blue healer family of dogs that go through hardships and anyway we're not talking about bluey fuck how did i get distracted <laughs> fuck that <laughs> um that's awesome so what did you guys think okay. uh, what did you guys think of uh as non-australians watching little elvis and the truck stoppers can i go first things very you can uh, fucking okay i'm gonna let ethan go off the rip i can feel his energy from here rip it so off i, I want to hear i'm your, just hear like i'm extremely confused okay so we're me and Ricky are both from the South. We're from South Carolina, which is like honestly, we could get to Tennessee where where Elvis is from in like less than five hours, yep. like way less than five hours. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm just like baffled because he's not even that famous here, right? And definitely not in the '90s, late '90s. So like, what what's what's up with Australia to where that they're just like infatuated with Elvis as recent as 1997 or eight? Man, I think it's a, a, yeah, I don't know, like, just for personal experience, I know both my, my grandparents, both my nans, on both sides of um, of the family, both had Elvis Presley memorabilia all through their house, and I, I, it's a common thing for no a, lot of, a lot of um, older generations Australians to be, to be quite obsessed with the king himself, so, yeah, I mean, oh, I, really? was, I was well yeah. aware who Elvis was before this series came out, and... I think like it's not it wasn't even a learning curve just to know that who Elvis was for me when I when I first watched this. So yeah, he's he's weirdly big over here. Again, it's just Australians latch on to the weirdest things and it doesn't <laughs> doesn't really have well, any okay. rhyme or reason. I will say that hearing that actually kind of uh validates one of the things I noticed is that this kid, at least from the outset, or at least from the show's opening, is that he was dropped off at a like nowhere stop like a gas stop in the middle of the like a desert and the the kid was kind of indoctrinated into the Elvis fa- fandom and everything like that from the his parents for his I guess his faux parents so I mean I guess that plays into you know uh, uh like parents watching this with their kids or just kind of being around their kids watching it they could probably relate like yeah yeah we like 
we like the Elvis. So the kid being kind of indoctrinated into that makes it like a unique thing. That's my guess because uh, the Elvis I mean, felt he, he, really he was, out of nowhere. He was dropped off in a golden guitar case, which clearly means it True. could only come from Elvis. Um, the the little synopsis they have on their, their Wikipedia is is it's truly great. I'll read it out now. Um, the story follows a group of children and their adventures in the outback Australia. The title character of the series, series Little Elvis, is a ten year old boy with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Little Elvis oh my god! A, little Elvis <laughs> has the gift for music, a talent for trouble, and a desire for one thing only: to find out who he really is and to be a normal kid. He's raised by his foster parents, truck stop. Uh, truck stop properties, Grace and Len, who are fervent fans of Elvis Presley. As little Elvis is musically talented, singing and playing guitar, his foster mother is convinced he is the son of the king, Elvis Presley himself. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Love, wow. Yeah, no. No. Uh, first off, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's a lot. There, there's a lot in this series. Um, Hold on. I got no indication that he was on a mission to find out, like, his origins or who he really is. He seemed pretty clear about that. I'm a musician. I don't want to be Elvis. I want to, like, you know, be the king, right? I just want to be that. He seemed pretty feverish about he knows what he wants to do. And and no no part of the three episodes that I watched did ever come across that he wants to be normal kid because a normal kid doesn't have a rockabilly digi-billy band. And you know, like <laughs> yeah. he's not doing anything that normal kids would do. He's always just doing the wildest shit imaginable. Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, can we break can we break down that band real quick? Um instrument wise, we have a drummer, a guitarist, and a didgeridoo player. <laughs> Correct, is yes. this a, is this a common trio in Australia? For, for, am I missing something? I feel like there's... yeah, no. All <laughs> our, all our all our bands have didn'tridoo players in it. It's it's just a thing we do. Like um. Okay. No, okay. I'm fucking with you. Uh, this is. I was gonna say, there's no, no, no way no. he's telling the truth. <laughs> um, no, like it, it, it's so weird. And uh, the, the, the only good thing, or the, there is a few good things, but one good thing in this is um, the uh, young indigenous boy that is is uh, one of his friends uh, that plays the didgeridoo in the band. He is actually voiced by an indigenous person um, who is who is uh, part mm. of part of a mob um, up near Cairns, I believe. I, I think I read. Um, and that kind of representation in in Australian media was basically unheard of at the time. Like there was there was no Indigenous characters on any shows that I was watching. So that 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 Ooh. that is a really good thing. And they do an actual pretty good job of being. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but the actual town that this is centered in has a bunch of people from different cultural backgrounds. Like there's there's the Greeks, there's the Italians, you know, there, there is, there is. That's it true. Is, I saw that. Yeah. I noticed that. It is that, pretty yeah. representative, uh, represent, uh, a good representation of, of, of what a small, uh, rural Australian community tends to be. And that, it, that is quite multicultural from the get go. Uh, so that, that does have it in, you know, in a, in a, in a pro column for it, but on the other side, <laughs> fuck this show's a steaming pile <laughs> of shit. Oh, it's so bad. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. I mean, I gotta ask. A, a st- Yes, the, yes. the accent I heard sounded like they were they were obviously Australian, but it sounded like they were Australian trying to do a southern accent. I mean, this this is one of those Australian shows that it and it happened all throughout the nineties and early two thousands, where uh, anytime uh, an like Australian uh, production companies would make a show, they clearly only made it for American audiences, so they turned up the Aussie accents to the nth degree, where it's where it's 
so ochre and so so cartoonishly Australian that it, it's clearly trying to play for an American market because um, <laughs> that's where the money yeah, was, that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, for little Elvis and the Truck Stoppers, you know the Americans were lining up for that oh, shit yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the, so the one thing I wanted to mention the setting, the setting being this kind of rundown uh, stop in 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 every direction, nothing else as far as the eye can see, really, at least from the outset. Is it kind of would this be like a familiar kind of? I I don't know. We I was thinking that this is kind of taking place in like Central Australia. You know, yeah, th- this definitely is like this trying to give a Central Australia vibe, but that that general aesthetic of like a, a truck stop in the middle of, of buttfuck nowhere is is something for me personally that, that rings pretty true because I spent four years okay. working at a at a truck stop in the middle of buttfuck nowhere on an abandoned highway. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, I, I worked at like a a, a servo um, as as we call them down here, uh, a servo that on a good night I may have seen seven people. Wow. You may have seen seven people, like an abandoned, on an abandoned highway on a truck stop. Like it, it was a ghost town. So that, I, I do kind of, that that aesthetic is kind of true. And they did kind of nail a fair bit of the, like the aesthetic of a small rural town. Like you do see some great Aussie staples throughout here. Like uh, just some real cultural touchstones, like rat tails um, haircuts. I don't know if you know what a rat tail haircut is, but it's- Oh, I'm we do, keenly we do. aware. I'm keenly aware. Yeah. There, there is a it's few- like a br- spectacular rat tails in this series we're in the um, south man <laughs> oh dude yeah we, uh, uh, can acquaint you with them with the mullet uh yeah oh, yes. the mullet favorite. is alive the and well <laughs> in australia the close uh, cousin good it's a close cousin for sure <laughs> oh man so I, I i kind of really enjoyed how kind of ins- insanely villainous wc moore was right <laughs> i'm glad we got to him yeah, I got, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to him. He's got he's like comedically like I think the first scene we saw with him is that he went out of his way. He didn't even put his window down. <laughs> he only put his window down for his driver, but he opened the whole damn door to to basically flick an infinity stone, crush these kids' <laughs> marbles, send them back in time, and then it zapped back onto his basically taser ring, and. Again, I was just like, I am in for this fucking dude. This is the guy I want to follow. What is WC Moore's life like? That's yeah, what I like, and that that is a weirdly like I remember that trope throughout the whole series that anytime there's a game of marbles involved, he always just rocks through, flicks his infinity stone, collects all the marbles, and just <laughs> drives off in his <laughs> yeah. limousine, and it's just more. Oh, oh, oh. It's just it's like, inevitable. It's like, is that how you made your money? Is is your empire built on stolen marbles of children? Like how I, I don't well, sort get of. it. <laughs> Um, so he sells it back to him. They said but, he was like, a mining his, magnate, which yeah, he, he which is a big deal in Australia. Actually, is mining. I would be. I, I think I'm. I don't know if I'm talking out of class here, but I, I wouldn't be too surprised if he's based on an Australian mining magnate. I don't know if he's a mining magnate, but uh, Clive Palmer, who's like he's he's Australia's Donald Trump, but we just didn't give him the platform to speak. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Good, he, yeah. uh, wise choice. Yeah, yeah. We 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 uh we we sectioned him off in a small a- end of the country where no one goes and left him there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> oh my God. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he if uh, if his character was based on Clive Palmer. But um, he, he his villain moments throughout the the whole series are so like ridiculously villainous, but in like a human way where he wants people to sign 
contracts with high interest rates so he can foreclose on their houses. Like, like that's some fucking adult level villainy right there. Like that's not just like <laughs> some real shit. poisoning the water supply. That's like, no, I want to cripple you and bankrupt you and take the house from under your feet. Like that is truly <laughs> villainous. It, it's, it's horrific to think about. I mean, it's pretty common, man. You got to get on that those predatory uh, real estate deals, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, lo- I'm looking up... Cl- we'll teach you, you how to be an up- American businessman yet. You got it. Yep. Step one, sue. Predatory. Step two, counter sue. <laughs> yeah, predatory <laughs> shit. Real predatory shit. I looked up Clive Palmer, and he does have yeah, iron ore, nickel, too. and... Yeah, you got me looking up... And you know what? Very well could be, which I, it's almost funny, right? I guess it's a kid's show thing where obviously you have to make, you know, you're there. I don't even, okay. I'm not saying little <laughs> Elvis Jones and the truck stoppers are trying to teach lessons because I sure shit didn't learn anything, but the, like, it's, it's obvious kids shows are trying to do like, you know, real black and white shit is evil. There's a moral stuff like that, but you know, WC Moore, he clearly takes it to such a far level that even when you think back as an adult, you still understand him as a villain, not because it was clearly depicted that way. It's because he was doing legitimately adult villainous shit, which is really funny that he's a villain in perpetuity. He's a villain for your entire life. That's a good right. That's good writing to me. That's I an mean, yeah, That's the, a pro if, for me. <laughs> if at any, any point in your life you're on his side, you're a bad guy. They're, they're like, they're, they're, except there's for, no, except there's for no the driver. Point in, if you're ever si- siding with him and his views, like you are an awful human being. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, so, yeah, I suppose you can give credit for good writing on that one. Um, I, I, I'm going to go as, as far to say that there's not many other good credits you can give this show because it, it does... And I've watched a bunch of these shows because of this this dumb segment of, of my podcast. I've, I've watched a lot of trash. <laughs> I love this segment. Yeah, it's slowly, slowly chipping away at my my self pride and dignity and and all those things. Um, I don't actually, kn- I don't actually know if I can be a, a reasonable judge on whether anything's good or not because I've polluted my my brainwaves with so much nonsense that at some point I think my taste and judgment will be forever skewed towards the negative. Um, that being that being <laughs> said, like- that being yes. said, I I think. It's 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 not out of turn to say that there is not much in this show when you scratch the very limited surface there is. It, it, there, there's not a whole bunch here. There, there was not a lot of love put into the animation. There was not a lot of love put into the the characters. Um, there was not a lot of love put into the music in general for someone who's a who's a, a singing prodigy and who's you know. Digibilly music was supposed to be played across the world, as he would say. Yeah, um, right, right. There's, there's not a lot of love put in behind it. So, so for me, I, I, I don't think I can call this show a getting it. Um, are you boys on the same page? Yeah, okay. <laughs> of course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes, but with your explanation you just laid out, all of that being said, why did it get it? as one of the most celebrated kids shows of the time, was it because everything else was just that much worse or um, was there something to this that stuck in the brains? Cause I mean, like you said, you just said that it is it, talking to cool just talk to anybody right now. It is known. This show is known. So what did it do? Did it just uh, hit at the right place in time or I don't know. I would just say that um, being that 
only other Australian animated TV series I can remember is one about koalas that fly planes and rescue hurt animals in the outback, and I can't remember much about that. I think it's just the most memorable. That sounds sick. I think it's mainly <laughs> the only one there. I, I think I think that's it. I think okay. it's memorable because it's it's when you t- like r- talk about it, and it got a bunch of playtime on the air too because it was an Australian series. Um, Fair. I, I think it's just it was wildly available, and the only one of its kind is why it's 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 remembered. Only one of its kind is definitely uh, oh, yeah, something to say about it. Oh, let me be clear. This didn't get it. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but I just. I. I heard you just kind of like knock it, and you're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But like, you know, we have in the states like SpongeBob. Every human being knows SpongeBob. What's SpongeBob? I mean, in. Oh, in shut up. No, I'm, fu- I'm fu- uh, <laughs> just kidding. I know. I know. I know. But uh, well, Ricky's again, gonna like, believe again, it. All, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna believe it. Um, you can say anything. I'd probably believe it. But at the same time, <laughs> that 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 show, you could tell the guy that made it is a marine biologist. Everything that that show exudes effort, right? And there's just a lot put into it. So I think there's something to be said about, and that was in a landscape where we had dozens, and I mean dozens of cartoons. Mm. Ricky, can you, think of, can you think of any cartoon that was as bad as this that we had in the 90s? That was as bad as this in the 90s? Yeah. I'm trying to go back, I'm trying to go back and think. Um, I, could probably, I could probably name I mean, some that I've, I've reviewed on this segment previously, in all honesty. Um yeah. Uh, or there's been uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs was fucking. Uh, I don't, still f- don't I hate you, that show. Don't you fucking not Beetleborgs. Don't you knock Beetleborgs. Okay. Yeah, you go back. Wild. You this go back pure, and you watch three episodes nostalgia. of Big Bad Beetleborgs and see if you don't want to take a Phillips head screwdriver straight through your ear canal and wiggle it around a bunch. It is. <laughs> You don't, think I, you don't think I know that? You don't think I know that? That's my <laughs> ugly stepchild. I love that thing. It's ugly as shit, but it's mine. It is mine. Um, I'm totally in your camp. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. There's, there, there's a few from that era that, um, like, American ones that have been particularly bad. But Big Bad Beetleborg sticks out as the worst. But if you're talking strictly, <laughs> strictly cartoons, um, or Bruno the Kid was on last week's episode, I think. And that, that was that was. I f- Real, Yo, I forgot about Bruno the Kid. I voiced voiced and stars Bruce Willis. Voiced and stars Bruce Willis. It, it's wild. I know, but it's got a slapping intro. So that. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it I does. controversially called that one. Said that was getting it for intro alone because it is. It's a slapping <laughs> intro. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember is Bruno the Kid's intro. Yeah, I, I'm certain so that I haven't seen this. I'll send you a clip also, later. It's fine. Mark Hamill yeah, is apparently in it, so he is in it. Yes. Holy shit! You're right. I'm yeah. Just now. Um, oh I should probably. Uh, so we're we're definitely saying this isn't getting it. So I'll play the little not getting it thing. Jesus Christ! Bloody hell! There's mold at the sides too. Oh Jesus Christ! What's that? The fucking mold on that. This is Oh yeah, there is a bad movie. Uh, uh, so there you have it, Bruno the Kid. Uh, not Bruno the fucking hell. Little Elvis Jones. Little Elvis Jones <laughs> and the truck stoppers is fucking moldy as shit. Bruno the Kid's pretty good still. Good lord, man. We've been we've been going for an hour and a half, boys. So we should probably get into some plugs. Do you guys want to plug your show? I'll link everything in the show notes below. But plug away. Wait, just really, really fast. Yeah. I want to tell you oh, some things nuts. about Elvis in Australia that might surprise you. 
Okay, so I did some research because I was like, okay, did Elvis even ever oh, go to Australia? Like, is the premise of the show just completely fucked? The answer, he never went to Australia. So he he wanted to very badly. He wanted to go tour Australia, but his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, wouldn't let him. And so he literally broke up like his whole band kind of thing over this and basically fired Colonel Tom Parker. Then he tried to get some other like manager to take him overseas to go do some stuff in Australia, Japan, etc. But nobody would touch him because they were all like very loyal to Colonel Tom Parker. And so essentially they went like his entire life without being able to ever go to Australia. And so after Elvis dies, they go and they ask Colonel Tom, like, why didn't you let him go to Australia? Turns out Colonel Tom was an illegal alien from Holland who literally wouldn't have been able to get back into the U.S. if he had gone. Oh, wow. It's just a wild story. That's a nice nice twist. Hey, y'all, if you want more deep dive research like that, but also the funnies and good linguistics and riffing, come over to the Ebology Podcast. <laughs> nice. How's that? Um, yeah, any, basically, you thank you. You can find us anywhere. Uh, Apple, Spotify, everything in between. If it's got podcasts, we're probably on it. Um, we do a vidcast sometimes. We've had a very dense uh, guest lists uh, lately, so not a lot of videos, but we have one coming up the most recent week. Uh, we had Philip on last week at the time of recording and it's an absolute banger you should go listen to it because we talk about mm. something awful i won't yeah, even don't say don't, here, don't sully my podcast with his um, name thank you yeah uh check it <laughs> you're, you're, you're so welcome yeah i would yeah, just I ours um <laughs> yeah you can find us anywhere instagram at webology.podcast we got memes news oh please boys, please, boys. Can, I, can i say Maybe, it properly so you've got memes on memes on memes um, thank you thank you do it right Thank you, thank you, thank memes you. On, memes on news and sometimes giveaways. Um, yeah, there it is. And if you want to check, if you want to give us any you know monetary love, only if you can, patreon.com slash rebology. You're not giving us money for nothing. $1 is get you in the Discord, and Philip's in there too. All of our past guests are. And $3 and up, we have a sideshow called Syllabus Sidebar, our lo-fi, high vibes, sometimes anime, sometimes not, you know, riffing oh, about man, my show. It's been an absolute pleasure to get you boys on here, and I'm sure one day in the future we'll, we'll get you back to talk about some more anime and some more nonsense. Um, uh, we'll probably wrap it up there, boys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, make sure you leave a five-star review for this podcast and the Weebology podcast. If you want to get in touch with uh, the Dorktown podcast, just email us at atlordsofdorktown at gmail.com. Yeah, check us out on the socials at Lords of Dorktown everywhere, for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, although Twitter scares me and Facebook is dead, so Instagram is the place to be. Uh, it's been a pleasure, boys. Um, uh, thanks for coming on so much. We'll sign it off there. Uh, keep you. it dorky, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you.